from the studios of 97.1 The Sports Animal in Tulsa, Oklahoma. This is the Heartland College Sports Podcast Bedlam Edition. I'm Eric G., co-host of the Pat Jones Show, which can be heard Monday through Friday on The Sports Animal in Tulsa, frequency 97.1. Download our app for your smartphone, and you can hear us as clear as a bell anywhere in the world. Coming up on today's show, we'll talk about the future of the Bedlam football rivalry in the wake of what Mike Gundy had to say at Big 12 Media Days last week. Speaking of Big 12 Media Days, Joey McGuire, the new coach of Texas Tech, would have won Big 12 Media Days had it not been for Mike Gundy. We'll hear from him, and I'll tell you why he's going to be the new head coach at the University of Texas. And speaking of Texas Tech, Okay, their Matador Club is way ahead of the curve on NIL, and I'll tell you what they're doing, which will have a major impact on college football for years to come. But right now we have to start with the big news, and that is the future of the Big 12 and how it pertains to Oklahoma State. And I'm sure you've heard by now, because this news is more than 24 hours old, the Big 12 and the the Pac-12 were actually in talks to do a merger. And essentially what both found out is that if you merged, the money you were going to get from that merger wasn't any better than the money you were going to get if you stayed separate conferences. Loose translation is once you got that lump sum of money, or that lump sum of money, if I can speak today, um, what you were going to pay out to 22 schools was going to be far less than what you were paying out to 12 or 10 depending on your respective conference, thus putting you at a major disadvantage when trying to compete with the Big Ten ACC in the Southeastern Conference. And you just couldn't afford to do it. Now, the door is still open for the Big 12 to go and poach the four schools that we've been talking about for a while now, and that is Utah, Colorado, and the two Arizona schools. Bring them them east from where they are. The issue with that is, as you go back to point number one, if your payout isn't going to increase by adding those four schools, you're doing your current member schools a disservice by lessening the payout, thus burdening them to go out and have to do more fundraising. Okay, so it's one of these really weird situations where, yeah, you're the Big 12, you can expand, you've got a lot of people crowing that they want to get to 16 or they want to get to 20. They want to be as close to the Southeastern Conference and the Big 10 as they possibly can. Unfortunately, without Oklahoma and and Texas and without USC and UCLA, neither the Big 10 or the Pac-12 is near as valuable as they they could be. That That's just the truth of the matter. And that's something that I spoke with ESPN's Heather Dinich about last week during Big 12 Media Days. Oh, that's a big hit. Let's not pretend it's not. I mean, I don't know specifically how much revenue will be lost without them, but it's not going to be made up with UCF, Cincinnati, Houston, BYU. I mean, look, Bob Bowlesby did the best he could at the time with the information he had, and I don't think anyone will fault him for 
piecing it back together, most certainly. I mean, there's people who have told me, wow, the Pac-12 should have come in and swooped in and picked apart the Big 12 when it had the chance, and it didn't. And look at where everybody is now. I think definitely it's in a much better position, obviously, than it was a year ago, but it's not going to be the same without the co-founders of the league. I mean, you know, Gundy's over here talking about Bedlam not being there anymore. That's another part of college football that's a sacrifice of all of this. If you're feeling down about the current state of the Big 12, there is some light at the end of the tunnel, and you may get some help from a very unlikely dancing partner in Notre Dame. In 2025, Notre Dame's agreement with NBC is up. Okay, Notre Dame's looking for around $75 million a year from some broadcast entity to put their games out on television. Will NBC be the one to do it? They're most likely going to be the ones to do it if Notre Dame wants to stay independent. The other thing that Notre Dame wants here is the ability to have control over what comes before and after their games. In other words, they want a triple hitter. They want something attractive enough in that appetizer spot that you'll watch so it'll bleed into Notre Dame football then they kind of like you to hang around to help out NBC. And who knows, maybe some sort of combination of Oklahoma State versus Cincinnati followed by Brigham Young versus Texas Tech is appetizing enough to actually draw viewers to the screen. I mean, obviously, I'm going to watch it, but will somebody who's out in California that doesn't have any interest in Oklahoma State or Texas Tech be willing to watch? That's not something you can really answer right now. And the problem that Oklahoma State and and schools like Oklahoma State and Texas Tech have is that you've got good histories, but in order to get a million viewers at your game, the game has to mean something. And if Oklahoma State can stay competitive, if Tech can stay competitive, Kansas State, whoever else is in the Big 12, and you get a midseason conference game, that might actually have playoff implications or a couple that might have playoff implications sandwiched with Notre Dame, you know, that's that's something that Brett Yormark might be able to sell. That's something he's going to have to sell. And this is his first real test as conference commissioner. And, hey, it's coming right off the bat. You say you're a marketing genius. You have marketed NASCAR. You brought it straight out of the South. You were able to market the Nets and Barclays Center. Well, now let's see if you can market the Big 12. And let's see if you can market it as is without all these other teams from the Pac-12 that supposedly the Big 12 needs to poach. This is your opportunity. And if you can get a lucrative deal done with NBC that would pay the schools more than $30 million a year, then you have done your job. At that point, you have done everything in your power to ensure the Big 12 survival. All this still kind of sucks for fans because you are seeing an ever-changing world of college football, and one of the things that may fall victim to that is what Heather Dinich mentioned. Heather Dinich mentioned, whatever that means. Uh, Heather Dinich mentioned in that clip that we played, and that is Bedlam. And Mike Gundy saying Bedlam is is history. You know, once OU goes to the SEC, no more Bedlam. Brent Venables responded by saying Bedlam's important, but Brent Venables didn't exactly go out on a limb and say, well, yeah, we need to be playing Oklahoma State every year. 
the tough thing to hear about the Bedlam series, but it's the 100% truth, is that the only people who benefit from Bedlam being played every year are those in the Oklahoma State Athletic Department who make money off the ticket sales. That's it. Because OU fans are notorious for buying lots of Bedlam tickets, and OU fans usually have a pretty good turnout of that game. And, and, and even when, and I think Oklahoma State still does this, even when you made it so that you had to buy season tickets in order to get the Bedlam game, OU fans were more than, than willing to buy. That's it. That th- There is the only benefit. OU does not benefit from playing this game because it's a potential loss on your schedule. I've said this a million times. For as good as OU is, OU could go in a five-year stretch with Brent Venables or whoever. You could win four out of five, but that fifth may mean the difference between you getting into the playoffs and not getting into the playoffs. And therefore, you're better off scheduling another Power 5 school from the Big 12 that you think you can handle a little bit easier and isn't going to come at you with as much emotion as Oklahoma State will or as much physicality as Oklahoma State will, you might be better off scheduling a group of five school. Again, you're about to tangle with the SEC. Do you really want to play OSU and LSU in back-to-back weeks, or Oklahoma State and Alabama in back-to-back weeks, despite what the record is, is that something you want to bite off if you're Oklahoma? And I got to think that the answer to that is no. From the Oklahoma State standpoint, OU's 85 is most likely going to be better than your 85 every year. And more often than not, you're going to lose this battle. And if your whole purpose is try to go in win conference, be competitive in conference, then you don't need to be playing Oklahoma because it could in some ways, while not being totally a blood game, could somewhat amount to a blood game where you get some guys injured. You're not as sharp for that first conference game of the year. Uh, You certainly wouldn't want to play them. I don't think either school would want to play in the middle of the conference schedule, but let's say you get beat by Oklahoma and then the next week you got to go face a tough Baylor team who you're a little bit more even then, who prior to that game you had the upper hand in. And now all of a sudden you don't because you've got one or two guys hurt that could be difference makers. It, it doesn't help Mike Gundy. It doesn't help Brent Venables. And I, both schools know this. Both coaches know this. And you have to think that the discussions have been, let's put it on the back burner. Because believe me, if Mike Gundy wanted to schedule this game because the one thing that Mike Gundy said in all this was that, hey, that's above me. Well, it's really not because Chad Weiberg is going to give Mike Gundy control of his schedule. And if Mike Gundy wanted to play OU, all he would have to do is go to Chad Weiberg and say, hey, I think we need to continue Bedlam. Can you call Joe Castiglione? And then Joe Castiglione and and Brent Venables would make the call, but it's not as above Mike Gundy as, as as he would have you believe in this. Mike Gundy is trying to sell you on the fact that no one needs this game. I'm trying to sell you on the fact that no one needs this game. And I think it's like a lot of other things that when they go away, at first we don't miss them, then something may pop up and and it strikes that nostalgia feeling, sort of like A&M in Texas. I haven't really missed A&M in Texas, but now that they're going to be in the same conference, Everybody keeps talking about what a great rivalry that is and that we need to have this game every single year. 
It's like missing an old girlfriend. You don't miss her. You broke up. You've gone months, maybe a couple of years without seeing her. All of a sudden, she shows up at the same bar you are, and you're like, oh, yeah, I remember her. She was cute. It was great. We had fun together. And then you want to be together. Then you get back together, and you realize that, ah, yeah, there's a reason you broke up. I don't know if Bedlam necessarily ends that way, but you know exactly what I'm talking about. In the end, the only way this series gets played, the only way, is if there can be some sort of mutual benefit for both schools. If not, then the best you can probably hope for, like if you really want to see Bedlam, the best you can probably hope for is for both to end up meeting somewhere in the college football playoff. Coming up next, Joey McGuire. He's the head coach at Texas Tech, and I'll tell you why he's destined to be the new coach at UT. Thank you for listening to the Heartland College Sports Podcast Bedlam Edition. I'm Eric G, and time now for a hot sports opinion. Okay, pull out your legal pad, write this down, and write the date that you heard this. Okay, I'm recording this on the 19th. So whenever you listen to this, write the date down, because this hot sports opinion can go one of two ways. Man, that guy's a genius, or he is the biggest dumbass we have ever listened to. And that hot sports opinion is this. Joey McGuire will be the next head coach at Texas. When UT is ready to kick Steve Sarkeesian out the door, Joey McGuire is the first and only call they should make. Eh, provided the fact that he's been successful at Tech. Now, if he's gone through... You know, a couple of three and nine years, then no, you obviously can't make that call. But if the guy has won anywhere between eight and nine games a year, okay, I'd even go so far as to say seven and nine games a year, then he is your choice because he drips Texas. And the difference between him and Steve Sarkeesian at Big 12 Media Days was so obviously painful that you felt bad for Sark when Sark walked in in that gray suit. If you didn't come to any other conclusion that he is nothing more than John Makovic 2.0, you were completely missing on this. Steve Sarkeesian's not going to succeed at Texas, and especially not with the players that showed up at Big 12 Media Days. Okay, Because if that group was representative of what's going on in Austin, You've got a bunch of kids who look athletic, but nowhere near the caliber of athlete you're used to seeing down there. None of these guys looked even remotely close to a Ricky Williams or, and I hate to say Earl Campbell, or a Priest Holmes. I mean, we're going back that far, or a Sed Benson. None of them did. None of them, B. John Robinson was not an impressive looking guy. Overshone, what you, I had to double take and look and see who Texas had brought in order for me to realize, yeah, those guys are kind of players. Texas is going to get their butts kicked this year. Just mark all this down so so when I'm wrong, uh, you can throw it back in my face. But if I'm right, you know, just you know, sweep me and say, hey, good call on that. Like, I'm not looking for much praise, just good call, great observation, whatever. Um, but back to the point at hand. The reason Joey McGuire would make a great coach at Texas is because, first and foremost, he is a Texas high school coach, which means he can speak the language. High school coaches in any state, if they're worth their salt, know how to sniff a BS, know how to sniff out a BS artist. Joey McGuire's not that. 
Joey McGuire can sit down and have a conversation with these guys, not just about the players that he's recruiting, but he can talk with them about practice. He can talk with them about life. He can get suggestions on things that he needs to do better as a coach. And it will come across like he's actually picking their brain, not like he's trying to butter them up in order to get his kid or in order to get that kid to go to Texas Tech or, or wherever Joey McGuire happens to be coaching. Steve Sarkeesian is a really good coach. Okay, I, He's a good offensive coordinator. He was good at Washington. He's just not a fit at Texas. And at Texas, you've got to be this... One, you got to be able to, to to navigate the academics as well as the common folk. Um, you've also got to be able to know how to play politics. And I don't see Sarkeesian being able to do that. And first of all, he's got to win this year. If Sark is to win this year, if Sark is to if, if Sark is to put six eight wins on the board, he might live to see that twenty twenty three class, um, and, and might get a chance to coach them. I think it's more likely that Texas goes five and seven, and, and they're going to hit the restart button. And if that happens, it should be it should be McGuire's job if he's been successful at Tech. The other thing about McGuire I really like is that he is genuine, and I ask him about that. I ask him about those relationships with high school coaches and being a guy who was a high school coach and having college coaches come into your your office and ask you about players and the guys that were genuine and guys that weren't. And I ask him, how important is it to just be upfront with the people that you're talking to when trying to get a kid to come to your school? All the time. Find the real people, not the salesmen, not the people. Because here's the deal. Everybody's got bright, pretty helmets. Everybody's got beautiful uniforms that we're recruiting against. Everybody's got the state-of-the-art facilities. So all of that is equal. you got to find the people that are going to develop your son as a man, as a student, and as an athlete. And the thing that I was able to do uh, is learn from some great recruiters that came in to recruit my my players and also learn from some not so good recruiters or some guys that were selling something nowadays more than ever with the transfer portal you going into homes and telling the truth and selling who you are and what you can do for their son is now more than ever because before if you weren't on the up and up you might have the kid and they may be stuck they're not stuck anymore they get to transfer if you're not who you say you are. And so I think it's really important. You know, that's what we tell them. Hey, here's our truth. You know, there's some – I always talk about the truth is, you know, my truth, your truth, and there's some probably in between. And we give them our truth. This is who we are and what we believe. As far as – you know, and this is something Coach Jones and I talk about a lot, athletic ability is fantastic. Right. I mean, obviously, you've got to have it in order to play. It can't just be Johnny Tryhard. But when it comes to those qualities, finding a player um, that you know is going to be the right fit for your program, because it's, yeah. it's not always the case. I mean, what are the things that you look for? I mean, when a kid's coming to Tech, what are some of the two or three qualities they've got to have if they're going to be able to make it out there? Well, we're, we're very unique um, from the standpoint is my coaches don't have the final say. Um, and they usually don't start with the start of a player. Uh, we actually have a player 
personnel and his department, a scouting department, that those guys are really putting everything together and going to the coaches saying, this is who we should offer. Now, I'm going to listen to everybody, but when James Blanchard, my director of player personnel, says we're going to offer a kid, guess what? There ain't anybody else besides me in that building that can say we're not offering the kid. And so the reason I say that is what are we looking for? We're looking for verified length. We're looking for verified speed. We're a developmental program, and so you have to have developmental traits to develop, you know, and there's ceilings on kids. Now, we're never going to not take a kid that, I mean, you know, you can see on film that this guy's an absolute player. I coached a couple of them that got drafted this year, uh, Jalen Petrie and Terrell Bernard. I mean, those guys, um, they're just absolute players. But I also believe for us to have uh, the ceiling that we want to have, and that ceiling's winning the Big 12 championship and playing, you know, for a national championship, we've got to find kids that we can develop um, over that time. And so we're looking for length and we're looking for speed. If we're going to miss, we're going to miss on really fast people and we're going to miss on really big people. One thing Joey McGuire's got to be really happy about down in Lubbock is the fact that their Matador Club is ponying up in the NIL to the tune of $25,000 for 100 players on the Tech football team. It's 85 scholarship players plus 15 walk-ons. You're going to get a one-year NIL deal. I love this. Not just because kids are getting money. Congratulations to them, the $25,000. Use it wisely. But Lane Kiffin at SEC Media Days has said something we've been thinking about a long time, and that is you need a salary cap for the NIL in order to keep things even. And let's just say, for example, $25,000 is that salary cap. What's beautiful about that is if that is the most you can make as a student under NCAA rules or college football rules, once we get a hold on what's going on on college football, then it doesn't matter if you go to North Texas, Oklahoma, or Oklahoma State, the most you can make is that $25,000. Now, most likely, if you go to OU or OSU, you're going to get a lot closer to that $25,000 than if you are at North Texas. But on the much bigger scale, if OU can offer as much as Alabama, as Ole Miss, as LSU, as USC, it makes things way more even. If Oklahoma State can offer you as much as Houston, Tech, Cincinnati, again, it's all about being even. Because right now, Lane Kiffin is dead on when he says that you legalize cheating and you just gave the schools with the most money the opportunity at the best players. This would at least even things out. I don't know what that magic number is. I don't know what that number is that makes the have-nots go, okay, that seems fair, and the haves go, we can, we can live with that. You know, we, we can live with that because, yeah, we, we can definitely afford to pay – five or six kids that kind of money, or five or six kids are going to have that kind of earning potential. Again, with NIL, look, I'm glad that the Matador Club is doing this, but I really thought that the NIL was going to be like endorsements when you're a professional athlete, meaning that if you're popular enough, if you're good enough, and somebody wants to give you the opportunity to endorse one of their products, you're going to get that opportunity, but you got to be a face that moves it. Right now, it's simply being re- it's simply being used for recruiting. 
either get kids out of high school or even worse, get kids into the transfer portal and get them away from universities they're already enrolled in. This is something that's got to change for college football. Of all the things that need to be addressed, even above and beyond conference expansion, it is the NIL and the transfer portal. And hopefully by Tech doing something like this and putting it on paper, it gives this new college football czar, whoever they may be, an opportunity to have at least a base to work with and say, okay, is 25000 a good amount? Is ten a good amount? What is an amount that we can all agree on? Let's just get it done so this thing doesn't continue to run amok. Thank you very much for listening. Please be sure to subscribe. Give us five stars. Give us a review. And make let everyone know that we are your favorite podcast. Or if we're not your favorite podcast, let us know what we can do to improve, to become your favorite podcast. We always like the reviews, especially those uh, that give us a little help. Yeah, nothing wrong with a little constructive criticism, right? Okay. With that, may God bless you and your family. As the great Jackie Moon always says, everybody love everybody. And to quote Diamond David Lee Roth, stay frosty. Please rate, review, subscribe.